Hey, my friend, it's Julie Clough here, your life and grief coach. Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast. I'm grateful to be here with you today to sit in this space and be. Be with the grief and in the healing, to create space for peace and to share hope for rebuilding your life one small step at a time. Let's get started. Hey, my friends, I am so, so excited to have Vinny Tolman with me today. Vinny Todd Tolman. He was born in Arlington, Texas, and has a remarkable story that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. I'm just going to share a little bit from the um, from his bio on his book, so you know a little more about him before we get started. Like I said, he was born in Arlington, Texas, and has since traveled around the world living in both Cambodia and Thailand. He loves animals, meditating, and spending time in nature. His greatest priorities are his relationship with his creator, his family, and the people he meets. He currently lives in Las Vegas, Nevada with his wife, Andrea, and their two children. Welcome, Vinny. Hey, it's nice to be here. It's awesome to be here. Great oh, to I'm, great to be speaking with you today, Julie. It's I'm so excited about this. I got your book this week and I've read it all the way through once and I've read it multiple times in different sections and I just knew that your story was something that people need to hear. They need to understand. And so, why don't we just jump in and you just share because I haven't even given you guys a hint yet. <laughs> of what his story is. So I'm just going to let him jump in and start sharing. And um, it really is a remarkable, beautiful story. Well, I'm one of the, the, the few, the, the few out there that people would consider, you know, dead men and women walking that uh, we, we had an experience to cross over. And uh, that's me. I'm in, in that category. They, they categorize me as a body bagger. I was in a body bag. Um, passed away. I'd aspirated in a public bathroom in a restaurant um, from a toxic supplement that I ended up taking. And um, yeah, so I was dead in a body bag and and I went from, you know, feeling dizzy in a bathroom to all of a sudden watching a movie, what felt like watching a movie in a theater and and watching this odd movie that they were shooting from the ceiling down, which I was like, that's because I used to work in film. And so I, I thought that was really funny that they're shooting this film from the ceiling looking down and I was just watching what was going on, but, but I had no idea that uh, what I was seeing was my own body and, and what was going on around my body. Uh, and the reason why I didn't have any ideas because me was, was up here watching, you know, um, it wasn't like I was playing a video game, you know, with a controller in my hand or something and, and thinking that's my remote virtual reality down there at all. It was a hundred percent, you know, me is up here. And what I'm watching is over there. So that's, I was completely disconnected from that, uh, what was going on there. But I witnessed as they did uh, load the body in a bag and uh, put it in the back of an ambulance and watched a rookie medic on his first week on the job um, feel God connect to him and send him a message that I wasn't dead. And he, he had the courage and the faith to take action. And despite, you know, the fact that I was cold, I was stiff. Uh, rigor mortis had actually started to set in and, and, uh, I was not pleasant. I had, you know, um, gross stuff all over my face where I had aspirated. It was just not a pleasant thing. And he, he pushed through all that, you know, hooked me up and started to, um, 
resuscitate me. After the the third round of shocks, they were able to get a, a faint, steady heartbeat. And, um, and when they, when he did that, um, they were only about a block away from hospital. So they were able to get me, you know, a little bit over a block, but they, they were able to get me right to a hospital as soon as they had the heart going. And so they were able to do all sorts of injections and, and special things to the body to bring the body back. But, but I was still dead. I was still brain dead for three days while I was in a coma. And during those three days, I was allowed to leave my body and have a, uh, a complete traditional, but, but more detailed out-of-body experience than, than what you'll hear out there most times. I was very conscious of what was going on around me and, and until I recognized it was my body. And I did recognize my body as soon as they started loading it in the hospital. I noticed that when the arm was moving, that was me moving it. And that was a reckoning. It was, uh, it was actually really, really scary at that point. And what saved me out of that fear was this light that started to warm me from behind. And that light was coming from, from a, a man that was all dressed in white and he had a long white beard and, and a very, very, uh, like gorgeous pink skin, which is weird. Cause you know, traditionally we don't <laughs> think of pink skin as gorgeous, but like his skin was so freaking amazing. It glistened like sand in the sun. It was mm-hmm. so cool. And, uh, and light like emanated from him. And as his eyes could look through you, they could like look into you. And uh, it was just really a, um, a beautiful experience just to see him, let alone to feel that, that unconditional, pure light and love that was coming from him to me. And um, he introduced himself. I thought he was God. And he's like, no, I'm not God. And I'm like, well, you must be Jesus then. And I'm like, and he's all, no, I'm not Jesus. And, and he, and he goes, well, my name is Drake and I'm here to be your guide. I'm here to help you go where you want to go. And he said, you can go back to where your body is if you would like, or you can come up with me and, and see what's next for you. And, um, it was a no brainer. I mean, why would I want to go where all that pain and where that body was barely hanging on? There was it was just gross. It was disgusting. And it was not even possible for me to choose that. So even though I had agency, it was not possible to even choose to come back. So I, I chose to go with him. Um, he, he made me an offer I couldn't refuse really. <laughs> so I, I went with him and he helped me understand that there was going to be quite a process to get to our destination. He didn't call it heaven. He just kept calling it our destination. And uh, he's like, there's going to be quite a process to get there. Um, and as we started to move away from the earth, he showed me that we're, we were going to be moving through physical space, but also, also through dimensional space. Like we were going to be raising our frequency to go to a higher dimension, a dimension that we can't access from here because we we're quite a low dimension compared to where that place is. And he, he went over 10 primary principles that I had to fully embrace. I didn't have to, uh, completely take them on in myself, but I had to be willing to accept that they were true or the chance that they were true. And um, so he worked me through these 10 primary principles and he didn't lay them out like that. Like, Hey, here's 10 principles. He just just started with the first, which is authenticity. He showed me how I wasn't authentic. I thought I was, Um, but he showed me how I had many different personalities. I had many different versions of my personality that I would allow to come out with different people. And that I needed to peel away all those outside layers and make it one so that my one being is the same no matter where I go, 
not worrying about judgment, not worrying about what others think of me, what they may say. And, you know, that was a little bit of a hard pill to swallow because I did have some very diverse groups of friends and, and of course my family and church and everything. So that was a, um, a little bit of a hard pill to swallow. So it kind of slowed us down for a little bit until I could accept that, that yes, there was uh, a problem with my authenticity that I had to understand. And, and so I did. And at that point did. you were 25 when this happened, right? I was, yeah, I was 25 at that time. Yeah. yeah so I, I think that when we think about a 25 year old, it makes sense that you're just kind of like stepping into your identity and trying to figure out who you are oh, yeah. as you interact with different groups. So, and yeah. me, me at 25, I'd actually worked on major television shows, major movies, but I was also worked in computer labs. I'd also worked construction, also worked in, uh, in tech support. And I, I'd worked all these different industries in the past. So I had all these friend groups or social circles from all these groups and they're very, very diverse. And I did have um, literally a different, almost a different aspect of my personality with each group. I wasn't the same exact person with all of them. And, and it was more of like, I don't know why I did it. I, we all do that kind of stuff, but, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it's definitely out of a, a weakness that we do this. We change our, our personalities. We are afraid of being ourselves sometimes. So the first and foundational fundamental principle that he taught me, and he taught me until I could be authentic, I couldn't learn how to love. Um, and love was the accelerator, the, the medium that was going to allow us to move. And so I had to, you know, truly bring on and understand the mantle of authenticity because it is vital for our success eternally, you know, and, and it's, it's an, it's one of those principles that can very well translate to us here that, uh, the more authentic we can be, the happier we can truly be. Mm. Yeah. I love that. You know, one of the things that I noticed as you, when you shared in your book was going to these different levels and, and resistance showed up and, and I, I, you know, and I, I really relate that to the work that I do too, because what I found is in our healing journey, it's the resistance that we have to let go of as we move towards healing and it feels uh, very similar to what you experienced. It is. It's, and for me, it was a, you know, once I was able to raise my understanding, raise my own frequency, I would get to the edge of that frequency. And I would, I would, uh, it's kind of like terminal velocity. I couldn't go any further or faster. I had to now uh, up my game and go a whole nother level of frequency higher. And so you get some, some freedom within the frequency you, you, you gravitate to, but once you're there, it is, it's a little difficult to, to get beyond without doing anything, but understanding and accepting the, the additional principles that are going to raise your frequency. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. So um, share with us a little bit about what you learned about love. Well, um, love is one of the principles in there, the one of the 10 and, and love is, is everything. That's the whole reason we're here. We're here to learn the power of love, learn to create with love and passion, uh, whether we're creating actual physical things or we're creating relationships through service and through love, um, that we're still here to create. We're here to practice and utilize love. Love is the weights, like the, the weightlifting for a body, but love is that for our spirit. So our spirit, our soul needs love and needs to be able to learn how to use love 
um, to grow. And that's how we build our spirit. That's how we build our soul as we utilize, create, follow, uh, endear, and, and share and give and express love. It's all for love. Yeah. And we can do that through, you know, art. We can do it through writing. We can do it through relationships. We can do it through creating businesses, doing, doing things that we're passionate about. That's part of the, the, um, the love energy that we need to embrace. But what's, what was really funny though, is I thought that, uh, you know, I was raised in a family with two sisters that are Korean. And so I thought I didn't have any prejudice, but what was funny is I had prejudice for prejudiced people. Mm. And, and, um, especially, you know, specifically racist because of my Korean sisters. Um, I didn't realize that you could have prejudice for prejudiced people. And I needed to understand that, that when I was pointing my finger at someone and saying, Hey, that person's prejudice, I was also pointing my thumb up to God and saying God's prejudice. And I was pointing three fingers back at me saying your prejudice three Mm -hmm. times more than what you're pointing out. So that's the energy of the, the point your finger at other people is anything you're pointing out in other people is three times stronger a problem inside of you than it could ever be in them. So it's something that you need to dissect why you're doing that and work that out because um, until you can truly love even your worst enemy um, unconditionally love everybody because when you can get in that space you're in the god space and that's where you grow because god did create all of us so god does love all of us so for us to get closer to god we have to connect to that love that unconditional love that means um the, the worst of us to the best of us from the Hitlers to the, to the saints, to, you know, to mother Teresa, we've got to learn to love all of them. And we don't have to love what they do, but we have to love the being themselves because uh, if we saw a page out of their book, we would understand a lot better what made them do the things they're doing or have done. And so it's really important for us to, come from that unconditional love. And once we embrace it, the whole world looks different. Like things taste different. Um, Life is so different when we, when we embody and embrace unconditional love, it's absolutely life-changing. If if you can forgive somebody, you're, you're taking a bottle of poison that says unforgiveness. And when you forgive someone, you're throwing that bottle away. But when you're not forgiving someone, you're taking that bottle of poison, you're drinking it, you're hoping someone else gets sick or dies. And it's not going to happen. The only person to ever get sick or get harmed by unforgiveness is you. And that's really, really important for us, especially for those in in the community that have, have had suffered some extreme losses, that we have to forgive the predators, the perpetrators, the mistakes. We have to forgive that. Not for them. We have to forgive that for us. We have to take that bottle of poison and we have to throw it away. And love is the answer to do that. And, and that, was a, that was a hard one because I, did, I was raised in a really, really rough upbringing. And um, it wasn't something, it's not something that, it's not something that I like to, to dive into. But I'll tell you, I have plenty of, um, of things that I could not forgive on if I wanted to. But it would not be 
synchronistic with my experience. Mm -hmm. So my predator, my abuser, I love, I wholeheartedly love, and I hope the best for them in their life because I know that deep down inside that darkness that was there, there's some light. And inside that light, I want that light to grow because that's God. And that's a beautiful thing if you can get to that space. It's not somewhere you can just just do overnight necessarily. But some of us, we can. It's just a matter of making the choice and pulling that thorn out of your heart. That bottle that's poison is a thorn in your heart. So pull it out, throw it away, and watch. Your your whole life will change. Whole life will change. Yeah, that's beautiful. I... As you were talking about forgiveness, I think of the many people that I've talked to that struggle with forgiving themselves. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's an interesting, it, like, imagine like you're living full time with the enemy. When yeah. you don't forgive yourself, it's like you're living with the... Well, and it's funny, too, because a lot of people, they'll, they believe that well, I can't forgive this person because forgive this person because they're a bad person, blah, blah, blah. Th- the reason they can't forgive them is because they can't forgive themselves. Because if they forgive someone else on the outside, then it forces them to turn inside and say, hey, why am I such a problem? Um, and that, that was part of the principles of love that I learned is we have to love ourselves first before we can ever truly love anyone else. So when it's funny when you hear someone say, wow, I love this person. I love how they make me feel, how I feel beautiful with this person. I love what they say to me. These, this, this is very not good verbiage to have because that means you're not loving yourself. Mm. It's really important for us to love ourselves first, to care for ourselves first. And when we do, then we can love other people. We can't love anyone else until we love ourselves, period. I absolutely agree with you. And I, I think it's, it's, there's a couple of things here that get a little sticky, right? Because, because there's this feeling that if we love ourselves, then we're being selfish or we're being self-centered, but this is totally different than being self-centered or selfish. This is very, very different. That's not love. No, that's not love. And, and what it is, is people, they, they listen to what's called ego. And ego is an acronym for edging God out, uh, for getting God out of you. And recognize this. We are all divine creations of the creator. And being that, that we are creations of the creator, we have energetic DNA within us that is creator. And that means there's a slice of God in every single one of us. And it's that slice that you need to love. It's that slice you need to forgive. It's that slice that you need to focus your love on in in oneself. And it's also that slice that you need to uh, love in others, no matter what they're doing, whether you agree with it or not, even if they're a politician. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's wonderful. Um, So you talk about raising frequency. And I think that's something so, so just to kind of explain when you talk about raising frequency, it's that feeling that we have with it. And I'm going to try to describe it and then you can correct me, okay. <laughs> but it, it it's like when we feel that expanded feeling, when we feel that, when we feel love, you know, that's, that's a raised frequency. When we feel 
darkness or or closed down or um, constricted, that that's lowering frequency. And so that's my you know, brief explanation of how I see it is I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always trying to pay attention to what, what is lighting me up? Like what is, you know, when I hear something, when I see something and I, I feel either this lift or I feel this drop and I'm trying to pay attention to those things because I want to be in that space of lift. And, and it's tough when, when somebody is, has gone through a really difficult experience. They've lost someone they love, or they've gone through a divorce, or any number of situations in life that create loss. It puts us in that space of grief, and then we, in order to move from grief to healing, we've got to grow. We've we've got to mm-hmm. new understanding, new experiences to grow through that to healing. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on. Um, raising frequency and how we do that. And so the, the quick way is to understand how frequency works is if you, you know, if you want to close your eyes and visualize a ladder, you know, think in your mind, a ladder and at the very top of that ladder, visualize God creator and love. And at the very bottom of that ladder, fear, deception, grief, um, um, anger, loathing, all the negative energies, right? And we, we sit there and we climb and we, we go up the ladder and we go down the ladder. And of course, which way is it easier to go? It's always because we have gravity, right? So gravity mm-hmm. it makes us go down way easier than it is to go up. But there's an opposite that there's an anti-gravity and it's called love. And, and if you can really utilize love in your life, and I mean, love those who deserve it, but love even more those who don't. Um, that's your way you raise your frequency when you, it's really weird. When you feel empty inside, go put some kind words in a stranger, put energy, loving energy in someone, random stranger and watch, look inside and be like, wow, I feel amazing. Do you know why? Cause that's how we help each other. That's how we're built because we're all fingers on God's hand, all of us. So to help one is to help self to help another is to help self. Um, but what's weird is to help self is to not help anyone else. So, so we kind of circumvent the system when we're only going after our own needs and desires, but when we're really helping others, we're helping ourselves. It's the easiest way to get out of depression, out of grief is go out and serve, literally serve, go, go take a homeless person to lunch, hug them, sit with them and eat with them like a human. Cause that's what they want to feel like. They want to feel alive. And and so many times in this life, we don't feel alive. And so go make someone feel alive and you'll feel alive. It's really a beautiful process that, that I have to keep reminding myself that when I get in my down days, hey, you know, go help someone, reach out, do some service. Um, that's the way you, you fix these type of, of problems. But more importantly, that's how you raise your frequency. And what's, what's also really neat is after you've been at a higher frequency for quite a while, you don't want to sink back down. You don't start playing the old mind games that you used to in the old days. So you, you start learning new games, but but <laughs> uh, you don't play the old games anymore. And you you tend to keep yourself at a higher resonant frequency or a higher um, love frequency once you start uh, resonating at that higher space. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, and, and it reminded me of an experience that I had 
a few years ago. So my, my daughter and son died on mother's day 15 years ago. And this was probably a couple of years later. It was my daughter's birthday. It would have been her 12th birthday. And I was at this doctor's office and they were, they were doing a test or something. I was sitting in this room. I think they were drawing blood, but for some reason I was left in this room for a while and and the one of the technicians was on the phone on the other side of the room like right there i could hear everything she was saying and as i listened to her conversations i realized that her brother had passed away recently and that she was on the phone trying to make arrangements for his burial and as she was talking, she was talking about their financial crisis and they didn't have the money for burial and they didn't have the money for these different things. And as I sat there, I thought, this would be a beautiful birthday present for my daughter is to be able to donate to this woman and help her to um, to bury her brother. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her, I said, would it be okay? if I wrote you a check and she said, and she, she was so gracious, but it was, it was more of a gift for me than it ever was for her. I did so, so little compared to what she did for me in that moment. Yeah. And isn't it awesome how the, the loving selfless act of caring for someone who you don't even know, a a random stranger at a medical office, but to care for them, like, like their kin, like their family, because they are your kin, they're your spiritual kin, you know, and to do that, it, it uplifted and, and raised both your frequencies. And it, what's really neat about these experiences, the more we have these experiences, the more we, we get to receive experiences like this, but also give, I love the give side. I have a hard time with the receive side. <laughs> I always want to turn down help, but I'll tell you, I wouldn't have this book. I wouldn't have this life. I wouldn't have my family without help, you know, and that's one of the biggest things I've learned uh, since dying is, is, you know, accept the help when it shows up, even when you don't think you need it, especially when you don't think you need it because God's sending help don't turn God away. And so it's really important for us to receive help as well as give help. And as we do that, we are raising our frequency as well as those who are interacting with even those giving to us, you know, like you said, it's, it's really a beautiful process. It really is. And, and some of my, most fond memories are the the friends and the family and the people that showed up for us in our crisis. And they, they uh-huh. and, and it was such a, in that dark, dark space and that difficulty of that time and trying to come to terms and let go of all the resistance that took several months and, and years to let go of so that I could be in a better place. It was th- those moments of people showing up that was so beautiful and so uplifting and so helpful. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. This, this whole system, how it works. It really is. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. Well, I, I wish that we could just share everything that happened, but, and I'm going to encourage everyone to get your book, but we have more time. If you want to share more principles or, or wherever you'd like to go with the the story or the experience. I got to, you know, get up to actually to see heaven and I, and, and by then we were calling it heaven because I, I had figured that part out. I was a little slow, <laughs> but, uh, but not too slow. So 
I figured it out that we were in heaven by then, but I also realized that there is more than one heaven and that, and more than one version of heaven. And, and that, um, the soul and the existence, the eternal existence is so much more complex than we can physically understand in this physical world here with our third dimensional brains. Um, but their existence itself is unlimited. Our growth is unlimited. So there's no, there's no like, um, waiting room that you end up in somewhere in heaven and you're like, Hey, I made, made it the best place I can go. This is where I'll exist for the rest of eternity. And it's, it's so funny. We, in our limited brain or linear brain, we tend to think like that, that heaven's this big waiting room with, you know, angels and wings and, and harps, but it's not, um, creation is unlimited and we get to go forth and, and, and progress unlimitedly for eternities. And so no matter where we are in progression, if we're not at the front of the pack, we're at the very back of the pack, we're still going to progress. We, we get to the back of the pack over there with Hitler and a few other people, you know, <laughs> but they're still progressing in their own right. They're still progressing. Um, but I'll tell you the, the hardest part is to understand that the only place that there is a hell is between our two temples right here. So between your two temples in your head, that's the only hell that ever exists. So here's what's weird is we can carry forth hell with us from here to that existence and it will prevent us from growing. We'll stay in this like this encapsulated energy there where we can't progress until we deal with it. So we've got to deal with the darkness that, that shows up inside our temples, inside our head. And we need to clean that out and make it make our head a holy temple. And the holiest temple that you can ever find on earth is, is right there between those two bones in your skull called temples. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the holy space. That's the holy of holies that, that you've got to clean it up, get it clean, clear out the clutter, clear out the, the disgust, the, the unforgiveness of yourself and others, um, get rid of it all and, and start fresh with clean energy and, and that's where we grow. That's where we can actually progress eternally is in that space. And that's what I learned. And after I was, I thought, you know, Hey, I'm really loving this heaven. I'm so glad I'm here. Um, my guide, whose name is Drake. He, he, um, he pulled me in for a, a really amazing hug because there we're more energetic body and, and it's weird, but we're more physical there than we are here. Here, our physical nature is very limited, but there it's very, just so so complex but he essentially gave me this energetic hug that 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 was just immense and beautiful and i could see the eternities in that hug i could feel the eternities and i could feel god himself the creator in that hug from drake my guide and it's from that space he pulled away and said hey this is going to be really hard but it's going to be worth it and right then i started to hear a blessing or, or a prayer being given to my body in the hospital. And uh, it was my brother. He was giving me this special prayer or blessing. And it was through that, that I was essentially, it was through his love for me, my brother's love for me. I was, my agency was removed. I wasn't allowed to choose from that point. I was literally forced back into my body. And that was, you know, three days after I had died, I'd been three full days in a coma and uh, and woke up the fourth the morning of the fourth day wow yeah what was that like 
Well, I woke up and I didn't remember any of it. <laughs> oh, wow. I, it was really weird. I didn't remember any of it. I woke up and, and um, I thought, why am I in a hospital? I had remembered taking this. Uh, well, I had remembered a little bit the morning activities before I went and took the supplement and all this other stuff. But um, I couldn't remember how I got to the restaurant I was found in. I couldn't remember much anything. I was real fuzzy around that. But what I could remember was for sure, um, you know, that I was planning on going to this like car show with my buddy, with one of my best friends. And, and uh, he ended up, you know, in, in the hospital too, but he was only there overnight and was out the next day. But me, I wasn't, you know, I died in a bathroom. He didn't, he was found out in public. So yeah, yeah it's, it was, it was really weird. I was extremely claustrophobic. I yanked everything off of me. The nurses forced me to get stuff back on. I yank it back off. And then, um, it's actually kind of a funny story when you read about it in the book, it's actually really funny. It is. Um, funny I, I wanted, I wanted to run away naked essentially <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't want anything touching my body and I didn't. And I felt like I was so claustrophobic. And the reason I felt so claustrophobic is, is our spiritual body. Our soul is way larger, like, like three to 10 times larger than our physical body here. And so it's very hard to have that go back in. It's easy for it to escape and get away because it wants to, it's, it's much larger than this space here. So, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want that soul to be back in there. I wanted it to go back where I was. Um, but I didn't know why I, you know, again, I couldn't remember being in heaven or anything yet. Now, um, the very next day I went jogging and I had no, no symptoms or problems from, from dying. I was a little so sore. Crazy. I did remember being pretty sore, but that was it. Just really sore. And, um, none of the doctors wanted to release me. They made me sign about a phone book worth of paperwork just to leave the hospital. And here I was jogging the very next day. The next day after that, I went, went to work just like normal. And then the day after that was a Friday and, um, and that Friday got done with work and, uh, went and met my sister and her family at a restaurant and she kind of cornered me and she asked me, she's like, Hey, you know, you were dead, you know, and, and I go, yeah, everybody at the hospital told me I was dead and, and I'm like a miracle boy and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm a very scientifically brain person. And so I didn't want to accept all that. I was like, no, I just, you know, I was just, you know, there's an explanation somewhere. And I even met with like neurologists and they, they had all these theories of that the floor tile got my body cold enough that it, it allowed my brain to go into stasis. And even though it was dead, it looked like it was dead. It wasn't fully dead. And, and it was just weird. It was, you know, <laughs> I wanted to believe the, the limited explanations that couldn't actually explain everything. But right when my sister asked me, Hey, did you, did you experience anything? Did you see anything? I literally went to form the word no with my mouth, but what came out of my mouth was, yeah, I met a guide and his name's Drake. Oh, and wow. I like went off. I just started to go off and then I started to cry. And that's when it hit me. It, it's, it's almost like it was all sitting there and it took my sister to like shake my hand and like open it up and let it out. And, and all of a sudden it, it was just all there. I remembered it all. It was, it was so much so that we had just gotten our food and I couldn't eat. I couldn't speak for the rest of the night, for almost 24 hours until almost Sunday. So that was on Friday night. I couldn't even speak to anyone till Sunday because I, I just couldn't even, I couldn't even 
I had to sit here and digest all of this stuff that had just, that just came back to me that, that had happened to me. And, uh, and of course I give it a couple of days. Ego starts kicking in saying you're delusional. You need to go meet with a, um, a therapist or a psychotherapist and see what's really going on. So I did, I actually scheduled appointments and ended up with a, a professional. And at this point in my life, I, I could actually see and speak to spirit. And I still do today. And uh, I was at this appointment with this professional, this doctor, and he was telling me that he was going to put me on these, these anti-schizophrenic meds and wow. said that, that I really had some major problems and that I was delusional and uh, that, my, you know, my brain was just filling in the gaps with my imagination and that this didn't, none of it happened. And while this is all going on, it just so happens his grandmother, who's on the other side, is literally sitting next to me in the appointment. And she's just like tattling on him, like telling me all these things he did when he was a little boy. And these were little things. These are things that he didn't know anyone knew about. Like they're, they're literally things that he, he thought he was going to take to his grave that nobody knew about him. But the reason she knew about him because she's, she'd already crossed. So she knew these things about him. And so she was telling me all these things to tell him. And I'm telling her, I'm like, I'm not going to tell him these things. And then I have a, I have, you know, my guy, Drake, he came in very, very strong and said, no, you need to listen to her. She's going to help you. And, and, and whatever he said, I was like, I have to trust. And so I did, I I said exactly what she told me to say. And it freaked him out. The, the doctor, he freaked out. He's like, get the, get out of here, you know? And, and, uh, Wow. And I was like, okay. So I left the office and later he called me and apologized and said I had freaked him out because I had told him things that he had even forgotten had happened in wow. his own life. And those are secrets that he had never shared even with his own wife, not with his own kids, with not even with his own parents. Nobody knew those things. And, and he said, you know, there's no, no question what happened to you happened to you and you need to honor that. But he said, the medical field can't explain it. So I can't bring any answers to the table, but just know you need to work this out with God. That something happened to you that, that is divine and sacred and, and don't, and he said, and stop talking to the, to the ghosts. <laughs> and I was like, okay, but I didn't, I didn't listen to him. I still talk to him, but uh, only the good ones. And, um, but yeah, that's, that's me. That's what I, that's how I live day to day. And I do see and speak to spirit. I don't choose to do that for any type of living or anything like that. I just, I choose to utilize it um, for the betterment of those around me to help them when I need to and, and get answers when there are no answers, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You shared a beautiful example in your book of a homeless man that you saw on the street and what (laughs) you were told about him and, and you yeah, one purchased of my, an extra meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of my best friends here, he, he always jokes around. He's, he's a big sci-fi fan. So he's like, he always calls me his, his, uh, spiritual Yoda or his spiritual monk. <laughs> um, but I'm not, I'm not that. And I don't try to try to be that, but there's times where I understand the needs of those around me, even those who are out on the street when I'm driving past them and I can talk to their guides. And in that, in this case, I was driving past a homeless guy, saw him walking. It was extremely hot. I live in Las Vegas. It was a, it was one of our, you know, 115 or 120 degree days. Yeah. And he's walking down the street, no water, nothing. He's just sweating. 
And, and I told his guides, Hey, dip into this restaurant over here to your left and, and sit down and rest. Would you do that? And, and they said, no. (laughs) I told his guides, I'm like, well, what if I happened to buy him lunch? Would he do it? And they said, yeah, he would do that. So here he comes. He, you know, meanwhile, I get to the restaurant first with my buddy, we order our food and my buddy sees me order two plates, one for me and one for the homeless man. And my buddy is thinking that I'm going to eat both these plates myself. And he's, (laughs) He's like, man, you must be really hungry. I'm like, yeah, I am. And I just let it, let it sit like that. Right. And, uh, we get to the point where we go sit down at our table and I'm carrying these two trays. And then I set mine down on the table and then I keep walking with the other tray right to this other table, right. As the homeless man sits down and put the tray in front of him and said, um, you know, uh, I said something to the fact that God loves you and, and wants you to know that you're important to him. And then I just went and sat down and ate lunch. And it was really cool because I was in tune with the, the, the right frequency, the love frequency to understand his need and understand what was going on and even see him. I think a lot of times we get so tunnel vision on what's going on in our lives. We forget to see what's going on around us and to see those who are in real need around us. And there's been times that I've been, been blessed to have experiences like this. And it makes such a difference for me. That's what fills my batteries. That's what keeps me going every day is these simple little things, hugging the right person that needs it, saying a little, hey, you look beautiful today, or wow, I love that dress, or I love that shirt. I love, you got a great car. Just saying something loving towards that person that needed it that day, it, it helps get them back on the right tracks. And to be a part of that is, is beautiful. And we're all part of that network, every single one of us. And <laughs> If we only knew how much God loves every single one of us, and if we could peek behind the curtain and see why bad things happen, we would understand that the whole system is built out of so much love that there's no harm or problem that could happen to us here that couldn't be fixed in just a few seconds of that love. And and that's what I'm trying to bring with my experience and with my book is, is to help people get a peek at God's love for us. And, and I really experienced God's love in my experience. And, and, and I still carry the, the after effects of that to this day. It's, it, that, it literally changed me. And people that knew me before my experience, they even say, like, you're not the same Vinny that, that died. And I'm like, I agree. I, I'm not the same person. I'm, I'm, and hopefully in a good way, I'm very different because I was an average 25 year old looking after my own welfare and my own entertainment, you know, constantly. And so I, I love that we on this planet have the opportunity to create and that we have the opportunity to lovingly create and express love to each other. And that's how we create. And, uh, and if I could leave anything with anybody today, that would, it would be that, that, that there's extremely beautiful power and healing and, and, magic true magic in the power of love and uh and that's that's the the theme of my experience is there's magic in the power of god's love magic in it yeah wonderful what one of the things that you know as i talk to people i i've heard so many stories about the experiences that they've had where they've lost a loved one and we get and and we get really caught up. Like I got really caught up in the way my kids died for a while because I was the one driving the car. And 
and this thing happened and I was just really caught up in the way that they died. And I, I see that in other people. They get really caught up in that and they get really concerned about what were their last few minutes like, or, um, or they get concerned about like where that person was in their life because they may have died from an overdose or they may have even taken their own life or they, mm-hmm. they may have not been, they may, a person may not feel like, you know, my, my daughter or my mom or wh- whoever was not right with God when they died. And so they're mm-hmm. concerned and I'm, I'm, I have my own strong thoughts and feelings about that, having gone through the experiences that I've gone through. And I know you do too. So I'd love for I you do to too. share. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I, I want to go off on this kind of stuff because it's so opposite of God. I mean, imagine this, imagine you being a human parent. Imagine you're sitting upstairs in your house and you look outside and there's a beautiful tree and your four-year-old daughter starts climbing the tree and you think, wow, that's so cute that she thinks she can climb that tree. Well, then you get back about your day and, and, and before you know it, you're like, wow, I better should check on her. So you go outside and look and she's almost at the top of the tree and she slips right as you look at her. She slips and she's barely hanging on by the tips of her fingers and she yells for help. As a human parent, what would we do in that predicament? What would we do? We would take our, take our physical self with all the effort and, and muster and strength that we have within us. And we would carry ourselves as fast as possible to go save that child. We would do everything humanly possible and probably even more so. We'd probably bust through doors or do whatever we had to do to get out there to save our kid because we have human love for that child. But why is it that we believe in our ego, in our, our, our ego of egos? Why do we believe that we as children, when we yell for help with God, that God pulls out a checklist and says, well, let's see now. Let's see, did this person do this? Oh, wait, they were doing this right before they died. Oh, this one's a suicide. Oh, you know, we think that God's up there with an ego. God doesn't have an ego. We have enough ego for God. We, God doesn't need an ego. God loves us. God is that pure love that we get to experience here. And God, being God, our creator, has immense, innumerable, more amount of love for us then we can even have for our imperfect human kids. So why is it we downgrade God? We can't. We need to stop downgrading God. Stop ignoring the fact that God created this universe for us. For us. It's not entertainment for him. It's just for us so we can grow. And mm-hmm. that's why the universe is here. That's why we're here. So we need to get out of the whole judgment idea of, some people are, are at, at this level when they died, and, and, and now they're going to be stuck there for eternity. That's, that's asinine. That's absolute ignorance. And I can say that with true knowledge, that that is absolute ignorance, that we are all, all eternal light and love beings. And we get to continue on our progress. And one mistake or, or one month of mistakes or one year of mistakes or one lifetime of mistakes is not going to change that. So we need to get out of that game. We are not here to judge each other. We're not here to judge ourselves. We're here to do our best, learn how to grow and love each other. That's it. Yeah. Beautiful. 
Oh, so wonderful. So as we finish talking here, is there any other thought or message that you feel to share? I think that the the most important thing that we need to understand is, you know, life is going to knock some holes in us, but we get to fill up those holes with what we choose. And if we don't intentionally choose to fill up those gaps with something, then life itself will fill those gaps for you. And it's, it's very important. We are creators. We have the power of creation and it starts in the mind. It starts in the Holy temple between the two temples, you know? We've got to to actively choose to fill in those holes that life knocks in us. And then when we are able to cross one day, that one fine day when we're there, that all permeating love will heal any wounds that are knocked in there. But it's so important for us to choose to actively, aggressively choose what we fill those holes with. Because if if we don't, there's going to be some dark stuff that gets in there. Mm-hmm. And I lived that I lived that way until I died. Once I died, I, I try not to live that way anymore. Am I perfect at it? No, not at all. But I, I strive to, to intentionally put good things anywhere there's a void, anywhere. And, um, and also find the void. Be honest about the voids. Talk about them. Know that they're there. The, the dark spaces within your heart and soul. Talk about them. Bring them out to light. And there in the light, you can heal. And, and pull that unforgiveness out, throw it away, stop drinking it. It's poison. It only hurts you. Giving it out doesn't, doesn't help anybody else but you. So give it out to the world. Give it to whoever needs it um, because you need it. You're the one who needs that, that forgiveness the most. Because if you can't forgive someone else, you can't forgive yourself. Mm. And I think that that is the most important thing is, is as adults and parents and and survivors of tragedies. And I, I, I truly count myself in that category. Mm-hmm. I'm a survivor of my, my one chance in heaven. And, um, and to me, it, it, it was a tragedy for a while and, and still is in a way I, you know, heaven is a beautiful, amazing place that we all get to go to. And I can't wait to go back, but, but I do feel it's a tragedy that I was forced back. I am so grateful that I was because God knows better than I do that I needed a family and need to have kids, these amazing kids and meet my soul partner who she's my counterpart for everything. She's my half, you know, and I wouldn't have met her or had my family if I had not come back. So I am very grateful I came back, but I, I do feel that there's so much more out there for us. We discount ourselves. We discount our families. We discount our experiences. Don't, you know, appreciate the light and share the light and love anywhere you can. And if you don't know where you can, then say a little prayer, say a little meditation in the morning. Hey, God, I need some opportunities to share some love today, share some light today. And God will give you the opportunities. Just be awake, be awake and, and, and look for them because they'll show up. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And, and be sure and read his book all the way to the end and learn about how he, met his wife and their experience yeah. meeting and, and yeah we such we great out who drake, yeah we figure out who drake is to my guide so that's that's pretty awesome it was months months later after i came back that i figured out actually who my guide was so uh it's it's a really cool experience and i'm so happy to be able to share it with the world it's been a long process to get it here 
And yeah, anybody can pick it up at Amazon, Kindle now. And then we're also working on Audible. It should be up on Audible any day. That's fantastic. I've got the physical copy because I got that before it was even on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And and then, um, so now that it's on Amazon and Kindle, I'm going to get a Kindle version too, so I can search it because it's so good. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here, Vinny, and sharing your experience and sharing the the knowledge that you came back with. I, I think it's fascinating that God is allowing these experiences and allowing us to hear them so that we Uh have further knowledge about what, what is happening when somebody passes away and what we can expect our experience to be too. I I think it's just another, another sign of his love uh, for us. Absolutely. It is. And it's, and it's time. It's due time that, that the world understands the, the power of, of God's love. It's, it's so important for us to understand it. And, and that shows up in, in so many different places on this earth. We, we really got to seek it out and embrace it everywhere we can find it. Amen. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, thank you so much for being here. And like you said, the book is available on Amazon. I'm going to have a, a link to it in the show notes. So go there to, to find that link. Be sure and email with any questions that you have about the episode, about our discussion. I know that Vinny would be happy to answer your questions. I'd be happy to answer your questions about anything that you have questions about there. Um, And just know that I love you. I believe in you and have a wonderful week. Bye. Yes. Sending everybody with light and love. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.